Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Mila Yusufova, and we're going to be speaking about IPL in your practice. I don't have enough space on the OI show. Before we get started with uh, Dr. Yusufova, Thank Luminous for their support of this podcast. As you know, Luminous is the inventor of IPL, and they've presented the first and only IPL that is FDA approved for the management of dry eye disease due to MGD. Introducing OptiLite, a bright solution for dry eye. Elevate dry eye management with Luminous's patented Optimal Pulse Technology, or OPT. Get the safe, precise, comfortable, and effective therapy your patients need to manage dry eye disease with OptiLite. And now back to the show. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Mila, it's good to hang out with you again. How are you on this beautiful day? Thanks for having me back. It's always fun. It is. It doesn't look like it's raining in Portland today. Nope. It's beautiful. Yeah. How's Seattle? Same. <laughs> Seattle is the same. We oftentimes have a similar, similar weather. I was blessed to get to come down and visit your practice uh a few months ago when i was in portland thank you for hosting me uh incredible i i i just i love to get to know you and to get to know all the amazing ways that you're crushing it when i hear about you having an interest like you are somebody who like digs in deep when you've got an interest right the fact that you went and got your master's in nutrition because you thought maybe there's something about the tummy and dry eye, right? When uh, it was like, maybe eye drops that are bloody should, you know, we should make bloody eye drops for people. You're like, oh, I'll go and become a phlebotomist, right? I love that about you. Have you always been that way? Yeah, I think it's a blessing and a curse because, <laughs> you know, um, you know, the saying, fake until you make it. That's one of the best things I actually learned uh i feel like it was in my probably internship as a third year student but then really my personality is not to fake it i really want to you know when i'm talking about something i really want to know what i'm talking about so that goes for nutrition when i was making you know learning about the connection with um, obviously i mean this you didn't even have to go to school to to know that nutrition affects everything but when patients were asking me, what should I eat? What should I not eat? You know, does this have something to do with my, you know, gut problems that I've had for a long time? So I wanted to really learn it at the, you know, more of a cellular level. So, um, yes. Yeah, so I've, I think the fake until you make it, it like works maybe in the beginning. But then when you really want to know what you're talking about, for me personally, it's really, I need to learn things at a, at a, you know, at the deep level. Same thing with like PRP eye drops and autologous serum. A lot of the limitations with those processes was that there were so many different protocols. So when I started working on PRP protocols, I went and got a hematology analyzer. I mean, this is something that's really just available in lab testing. You know, when I was getting it, they were like, what do you want this for? <laughs> what are you doing? These um, distributors, it was really funny to, you know, like we've never seen an, an eye doctor or any, you know, clinics carry this. I'm like, well, it's just for my own research. I want to know exactly what I'm making. 
are the platelets, you know, is it, is it, is, is this therapeutic level of drops that I'm giving to patients? So, yeah. Yes. I think it's a, like I said, it's, it definitely could be a curse because then I just go into this rabbit hole, right? The yeah. more I learn, the more I'm like, oh, I need to learn more. Yeah. I, I love that about you. And I love whenever I talk about you, you always take this level that everybody else has and you take it to this, this next level. So, um, I want to share with everybody a little bit about your practice. So your practice is the practice in how it looks that everybody wants to have, right? They've got this beautiful setting, um, cl- kind of close to the water. You can overlook the water. It's not too far away. It's, it's in this little community outside of Portland where, um, you know, people live in apartments and it's like this beautiful, beautiful setting inside of your practice, you have decorated it in such a way that it is hip and it is fun and it is elegant and everything. And then you step behind the optical and it's like a postage stamp, super small space. Like your clinical area is not huge. And uh, you have done this incredible job of setting up your practice in a very small space. And uh, it's like, I expected there to be all this other stuff that was going on behind the scenes, but you have efficiently fit it all in, in an amazing area. And I hear all the time, and I know you do too, because we, we, we spoke about this offline. Like, I want to bring in whatever it is, another specialty or whatever it is. In our case, I want to bring in IPL because you're one of the original you know, you're one of the OGs on IPL. You've been doing it forever, um, but I don't have the space. And was that something you thought of? Like, like, and I don't mean to say your practice isn't capable of doing the things that you do. It's just you bought the space and you've made it work. But did you question, can I bring stuff in? Or did you always just say, we're going to find a way to make it work? Yeah, always find a way we're going to make this work. So um, going back to 10 years when I opened this practice, this was, you know, it's a cold start and I'm looking at all the different, you know, areas in Portland. And this is actually considered in Portland. So this is South Waterfront mm-hmm. area of Portland. So it's it's just outside of downtown. So it's literally, which really nice right. because we've avoided all the chaos of downtown. But um, but it still has it's it's a very centralized you know location. So that was very key for me to find a place that was like center of Portland without being like downtown Portland. So it has all these condos and all you know that hospitals down the street from us. And that was not and that was also another thing like you know um, some people were like oh that's a bad idea you you know there's ophthalmology there they have a cl- uh, eye clinic and you're going to be competing with that and that never really was a threat to me because I knew that I'm going to be offering different things. I'm not going to offer the same optical that they have. I'm not going to offer the same services they have. So I had to make myself different. And that comes with the specialty like, you know, dry eye and, you know, having these advanced treatments like IPL and things like that. So pretty much early on, I knew that I'm not going to be the same type of clinic that that's um, just literally down the street from me. So, um, and the, the funny thing is, you know, when we're looking at different um, locations, we looked at several one. And this was actually an established business. It was a dog grooming business. 
beautiful, overdone dog uh, grooming business, and they were not doing well. So, you know, this is again for someone who's starting out and looking for locations. This is something uh, a, a tip to maybe visit some local um, businesses. And this particular one, she just was like, "I don't, you know, I want to close." And so we went to her tenant um, and or to her landlord and offered to basically buy the space. So, so as far as like initial investment and in tenant improvement, you know, or, or the build out was so small because that when you walk in that big wall that you see, the round wall was already built. That's, you know, that was already there. All I had to do is put uh, little, um, you know, rooms in the back. So it was like open space in the front and open space in the back. So I built an exam lane and I built a pre-testing room. That was it. That was Mm -hmm. all that I could do, right? And then on the side was my office initially. So that's where... Uh, the previous business had their also like their you know their office which is beautiful space you saw that like huge windows 15 feet or 20 feet uh, wall of windows and it was my initially my office just my desk with like my my um you know uh bookcase and like books that I never really needed so it was just like a space that never I mean, yeah, it was great to have like my meetings, like if I was hiring someone, like interviews and things like that. It was a beautiful office. But when I started to look at these, um, you know, like IPL, bringing something in, uh, first I st- brought in LipaFlow and that was easy to just put on the desk by the... In the museum room. Yes. So that was easy implementation. But then with IPL... It was too big for the exam room. So instead of, we were initially we were like, okay, we'll wheel it in when we're doing a treatment. But pretty pretty soon, that was obvious that that was not going to work out because um, it was just getting in the way, like, you know, bringing it in and out because, you know, it's, it's on the wheels. And so then I thought, okay, my office is not making me any money. It's just, it's just this space that I, you know, clutter you know, to have my books and my papers and, you know, once in a while I'll have someone there. So we basically took everything out and turned my office into a treatment room. So we got a chair, we got our IPL, we put our lipoflow in there. It became our treatment room, our dry eye treatment. Yeah. Before, before you dig into what's all in that room, um, but, but what about everybody else in your office? I mean, did you like really upset the apple cart when you're like moving away from, you know, not having a big staff area and, you know, not having big, big areas in your space or as a business owner, were you thinking, you know, I want to maximize the square footage in my space that can generate revenue for me, which you later went on to do with a, a closet and your PRP and your, uh, you know, all the blood work that you're doing. Is that? kind of your mindset was is maximizing square footage revenue yes maximizing for sure you know we're 12 1200 square feet of space so it's not huge so it's but beautiful it's it's very elegant i love it you know it doesn't seem cramped at all especially in the front that has that really big space for optical and that was important for us to to keep that first initial like when you walk in you don't want to see, you know, you want it to be open and beautiful and not crammed. 
So we kept the optical really, you know, put a lot of the square footage in there. That was, again, that wall was already there. So we just didn't have to move anything. Mm-hmm. And back, we had to be smart with our space and utilize everything. So the office space that was where my treatment room is now, it was really not for staff anyway. So we, it's not like I took away like a lunchroom from them. It was really my personal office and maybe the manager, you know, the manager and I would have meetings and things like that. So really, I just took it from myself. <laughs> so, you know, if other doctors are wondering, well, I couldn't give up my office, what you were interested in is walking away with more revenue and being able to treat your patients better more than having a place to have meetings with your office manager. Yes. Especially since, you know, IPL later led organically into doing more aesthetic treatments. And then I delegated, I got advanced estheticians. Actually, one of them was already in my practice and I just paid for her school to become an esthetician. So she, um, so that freed up my time. So instead of doing exams, but also running into the treatment room to do uh, IPL treatments, then I was able to delegate treatments to an advanced esthetician who studied, you know, IPL and and all of that in school. So she was actually more knowledgeable about um, the skin itself. Yeah. So, so, so the way you started this, though, is, um, you know, there's some people who are like, well, I don't know that I really want to do aesthetics. And so I shouldn't bring in IPL. But that's not where you thought. Like you were like, OK, we're doing lippy flow. The next thing we need to do is is treating this. But this is this is uh, years ago that you did this. So how did you decide to bring in a luminous um, IPL device? Like, how did you decide on the the luminous device and why did you decide you needed to go to the next level in dry eye treatment? So this is back in 2016 and I already had lip of flow for some time, like probably a couple of years. And, um, and I was seeing a limited results with my rosacea patients. So to all those patients with telangiectasia, you know, non, non, rosacea or lids that didn't have telangiectasia, lipoflow worked really well. But with patients that had a lot of lid, you know, the scallop lid margins, that hyperkeratinized with telangiectatic vessels, those patients were not responding well to lipoflow. And then that's when I, you know, as you know, uh, Dr. Toyos was, this was early on, but he, there was already a lot of uh, evidence and research that was being released on IPL. And um, I actually went down to Nashville to his clinic to really learn about, as you know, I don't just get something without really learning. So I went and did some hands-on training with him, but also really learned about it from him. Um, This is again back in 2016. So when I I brought in Lipoflow, excuse me, IPL, that's when I saw a huge improvement in those um, with dry eye patients that had rosacea component, the ocular rosacea component. And so treating the lids, then obviously with his protocol and also Perriman protocol, you're including, you know, the cheeks and the face and patients were seeing the aesthetic benefits. Again, that was the bonus. I did not start this with any interest in aesthetics. For me, it was just treating dry eye and doing more for patients that were not responding to the initial thermal treatment. So it's more like yeah, if you had to guess, so you bought this device in 2016. Um, I mean, you were 
you were an early adopter in IPL treatment in the in North America. Obviously, um, what? Uh, how long did it take you treating dry eye before you got into aesthetics? Before you paid for your machine? Do you do you have a guess? Like, what, did you do you think you did enough treatments in a year that you had paid for it, or do you think less than that? I paid it off within a few months. Wow. <laughs> I'm not I hear that time and time and time again, and uh, we keep hearing, you know, from from eye care providers who number one is I don't have the patient base, right? You built that patient base. Number two is I don't have the space for it, and like you're saying, you do. And uh, number three is I don't have the time clinically for that. That's another issue. Like you were a busy doctor, right? People were coming in from all over the place. Although you were a cold start, you were already pretty busy. And it sounds like what you were doing is you were getting your staff to set these people up in this other room. You would finish up in the exam room and then you would go over and do the treatment. And that's how you were starting. Is that, is that, am I assuming that correctly? Yeah. I think the, um, and I unfortunately hear this from my colleagues too, is that they, because it's maybe something new to them in their clinical flow they just think that this is something that's going to get in the way and instead of enhancing their um their treatments and their patient experience they think that this is going to get actually disrupt their you know their clinical flow and i think you just have to um it's just not true and you know there's ways to um do it yourself i mean i you know when i started out i was doing it myself before i started delegating and and obviously, just like you are, you have your, um, you know, you know your days, and 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 I had it. I I wouldn't do it that way now, but in the beginning, I had like dry eye days. I had days when I was only treating dry eye uh, patients, which now doesn't necessarily work because it's just like they're all dry eye days. Um, but that's a, that's a, maybe a way to, if you think that this is there's no way to include this in your normal flow have a day where you're doing treatments only so that way you have um you know dedicated couple of times a week where you put on your ipl hat or your um dry eye hat and treat those and finding the room again for me this the unit i have the m22 the original one um it's i think it's bigger than the the um light mm-hmm. and what i First, it was on wheels, and then eventually what I did, I took it off the wheel. So I had to build a countertop, which you saw in my clinic, because I kept adding more machines and running out of space, and they all had, you know, really big base, like, uh, yeah. uh, base. So I built a, a countertop and took all those machines off their bases. So one countertop holds, like, four different machines now. So... <laughs> And again, as um, I, I don't think I would have been able to fit them all in that small room because of because of their bases. So you just have to get creative, right? Of yeah. way to add this, and it's so doable and so. Um, I, I yeah. when my colleagues talk to me, I always say IPL is a no brainer. You're gonna pay it off. You're gonna not regret having it, and you're gonna help your patients. That's ultimately the what we want, right? So patients yeah. that are struggling with dry eye because of rosacea, you know, all the other treatments that they're doing at home or thermal treatments are just not as effective. Yeah. Patients know about this. That's the thing. When I first started, 
people didn't know much about IPL. So there was a lot of education that I had to, you know, spend time on telling patients like, this is used, this is safe, this is, you know, for eyes, there's a lot of studies. Whereas now it's so easy to recommend IPL because patients are coming in already requesting it. They're like, oh, I've seen, you know, I've heard about it, I've seen it, I've done research because these patients do a lot of research before they can come in mm-hmm. to uh, try IPL. Yeah, so, yeah, so you said, especially for your rosacea patients, and then what just popped into my mind is the, the is prior to me having a dry eye practice and then particularly going into treatment with IPL is how few rosacea patients I thought I had, right? For me, it was like, oh yeah, I prescribe doxy five times a year. And so there's my five patients and I don't have enough. No. So think about it this way is all the dry eye patients that you have, if you see telegentasia on their eyelids, those are the people, right? It's not just these people who you see these huge red cheeks in this flare, Now, as I have so many primary care patients that come in the door, it's amazing how often I look at them and I'm like, oh man, you have rosacea. But before I had a treatment for them, I just ignored it. So if you're like, hey, I don't have the patient base for this, just start making a note of every day. Just go back to your, you know, your office, which could be turned into an IPL room in the future and put a little hash mark of this patient had rosacea, this patient had telangiectasia, you'll be surprised how many people really would be good candidates for this. And I didn't I didn't think that before. Right? Yeah, I agree. Same here. I mean, once you start looking for it or recognize it, um, you will see it, yes, <laughs> all the time, all the time. And these are the patients who have uh, Demodex, especially blepharitis. So how, about how many patients of your dry eye patients have blepharitis? Most likely they have rosacea, ocular rosacea. Um, looking for patients, again, if you've done thermal treatments and they're not responding, um, some of these patients will say, actually, when I do the warm compresses, my eyes feel worse. Again, suspect it's rosacea because you're, you're increasing heat and rosacea does not like heat. Um, oh. And recognizing that there's difference. There's a facial, you know, rosacea and there's ocular rosacea. If they have facial rosacea, 100% of the time, almost, <laughs> they have ocular rosacea. Maybe. But could yeah. be, but a lot of times it's the other way around. We'll see ocular rosacea years before they have facial rosacea. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, we'll we'll see all those telegectatic blood vessels on the lid and then you'll let, mention it to a patient. They'll be like, I don't know. I've never had that. I don't have that on my face. But then ask them like, what about your mother, your father? Ask like family history. They're like, oh yeah, she's got really bad rosy cheeks, and you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know that it's it's there. It's just you know with younger patients, it's gonna show up on the lids first, and, yeah. and it will show up on their face. Yeah, it's there. It's there. All right. Well, uh, I you know digging into all these things. I mean, at some other time, we're gonna really dig into your aesthetics component of your practice, but we need to get more people who are purchasing their IPL to get them started before we even do that. Uh, you're crushing it. You've got you've got makeup lines and facial treatments and skin treatments around the eye that uh, just are unique to you that nobody else in Portland has. And uh, you're just crushing it. Thank you for, you know, all the education you do on social media. I love seeing your posts and seeing what's new and what you're learning. And now when I see these posts about you, uh, you're, you're always driving me to do 
better and be a better. So where can other people find you if they are not already following you? Well, those are such kind words. Thank you. Um, on social, uh, Instagram, idoctormila is my handle. That's the best place to connect because it's fun to connect there. And yes, when I get inspired, I, a lot of time, a lot of times I'll go through phases. I'll get inspired from my patients, um, you know, in, in encounters or things that I see that I like to share and educate other uh, people out there. Um, and then my email is drmila at swec s w e c dot us. So um, that's another way to connect if you have any questions for me. I'm yeah. always happy to give any feedback or give any advice on like. Starting a practice, adding dry eye uh, to your specialty to your practice. I love talking about this, so happy to yeah. share. Any. One other thing is, uh, would you please share with people how they can help their patients on the nutritional side of things with uh, some resources that you have available? Yes. So as a uh, nutritionist, I paired up or um, uh, partnered up with another optometrist who's, who's a certified nutrition specialist. And we've created an online program called Dry Eye Nutrition. And this, you can find this on um, I Thrive Wellness. So eythrivewellness.com. That's our website. We have this program for patients that they can go get a lot of support and education on what to eat and what kind of supplements to take for their eyes. And then we have another um, masterclass that's for eye doctors. So if they want to learn more on gut health so that they can feel, you know, um, empowered and educated to talk about this with their patients, um, that, that masterclass is available for eye care providers. And that's also on iThriveWellness.com. Awesome. Well, so inspiring. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with me and being part of the OI show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And thank you for joining us for this episode. Make sure to like and subscribe. Stay tuned for future episodes of how to help your patients and crush it in practice. Also like to thank Luminous for their generous support of this podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.